Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Hello. Oh, we're on. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you here today. And uh, welcome to those of you who are watching online and those of you who are at Taramara. Um, I have the privilege of speaking to three congregations all at once. How cool is that, hey? Uh, Pretty amazing. And um, if you're here for the first time, a really special welcome to you. I hope and trust that uh, today will be helpful for you in your life and uh, that you'd connect with God, connect with each other and uh, that it will be beneficial for you. I just want to quickly, before I dive into the message, on Friday night at Taramara campus, we had 150 young people and leaders from all over Sydney and we've got a little photo to show you. So that's just taken from the top of uh, the mezzanine level. So uh, we had this big youth event called Fuse. And uh, basically every six months, Churches of Christ youth from all over Sydney and uh, even, even just all over the place come together. And uh, we had a great night. There was lots of activity and fun. But the most important thing was this. Uh, five young people uh, committed their life to follow Jesus. That's, that's the best part of the night uh, and the most important part. And uh, we're just, we, it was just a great, great opportunity. And so I'm just grateful for our worship team and youth ministry team that helped pull that off and the many people that made that happen. Um, so um, my name's Barry, if you don't know, and um, good, good that you can be with us. We're in week three of a series called Respondability, which is a new word that I think Sam has made up. And that word will become popular one day. And people will ask, who made up this word? And it'll come back, I think, to Sam. Is that right, Kristen? I think it is a Sam word. And today, what we're going to look at with this whole topic, it's like, um, um, will you respond or will you react? Will you react or will you respond? And uh, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, whether you're checking out Christianity, uh, I think that today will be helpful for you. And... uh, We've been looking at um, how to stop reacting emotionally. And for those of you who don't know, um, I don't know, have you ever been in a shop and you've seen the overreaction? You know, a little kid doesn't get what they want. Uh, You see it on the football field sometimes. Um, You know, someone doesn't, you know, someone gives someone a little tiff or a little push and then all of a sudden the fist is out and the fisty cuffs and then there's a bloodbath and there's this overreactions happening. Uh, all the time, often on the footy field. And it does, and sometimes it happens at work. You know, sometimes something happens at work or in the office and all of a sudden it's like you're walking on eggshells. Overreactions are pretty common in, in uh, society today. And uh, I sometimes overreact when I'm driving somewhere. And uh, today, on the way here, I saw a car. It was one of those sort of hot rod cars. Um, and it had, it had a name. And the name of the car was Short Fuse. And I thought, that, that's, the, you, know, and, and, you know, so imagine driving behind Short Fuse. Wouldn't be fun, would it? And so sometimes I have a little bit of a Short Fuse when someone pulls up in front of me or like I'm going somewhere and someone stops their car and it's about six or eight car lengths back from the car in front of it and I just want to get past it to get to the right-hand traffic, you know. And so I, God has given me the gift of a car with a horn. There's a purpose for the horn. The horn is to be used to help me overreact to that person who's going 
who's getting in my way. And sometimes we overreact. And I don't know about you, but I find that sometimes I overreact. And I react emotionally. And one of the things that God wants to help us with is to not be reactors, but to be responders. To be responders. And so one of the reasons we react is because we want to have control. And how we respond, this little point here, how we respond reflects our confidence or our lack of confidence in God. That's the truth of it. Because you and I, we know this, don't we? When we're not in control or when we feel like we're losing control, we tend to react. We tend to um, not respond. Respond means to carefully consider what you will do next. React is just like short fuse. And and, and today we're going to look at this topic of retaliation and to retaliate, happens a lot in our society. You see it on the news. Retaliation, retaliation, retaliation. You see it in politics. You see it in different countries. You see this retaliation. And and we've been learning over the last couple of weeks to follow Jesus. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, part of it means that we'll listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemy. Pray for the person who gives you a hard time. Jesus' way of dealing with relationships was was very different. You know, in primary school, when I was in primary school, it was a long time ago, but when I was in primary school, some kids did some things and said some things to me that were quite mean. And I was very angry for the unfair treatment that they were giving me. And so I prayed a prayer, God, God, will you just do the loving thing? Strike them now with lightning. Get them. Get them back. And that was, you know, I wasn't retaliating, but I was wanting God to do the retaliation for me. Well, God's answer was, no, Barry, (laughs) that's not going to happen. But sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Stuff happens to us and we feel like we just want to get even, get revenge, we want to retaliate. And today, last week, I don't know if you looked at this, but we looked at this at Tara, and I'm sure you guys looked at it. 1 Peter 2.23, I love this passage. This is an awesome verse that talks about Jesus and how he didn't retaliate. Jesus, it says, when, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. Uh, when he suffered, he made no threats, even though he could have. He could have called a legion of angels and just wiped them all out. But Jesus didn't make any threats. He didn't retaliate. Instead, what he did is he trusted himself to him who judges justly. He knew that God was ultimately in control and that God would sort it out in the end. And so today, uh, I want us to look at how can we be more like Jesus? How can we, in our relationships, become more and more like Jesus? And uh, how can we um, not retaliate? And to, today, what, what I want us to look at is I want to, we're going to go a little deeper today. We're going to have a look at the book of Romans. And in Romans... Paul writes to these Christians at Rome, and what I want us to understand is Rome at the time was like the centre of all things going on in the world. It was, it, was, it was the superpower. And in Rome, what happened was that the emperors made sure that Christians had a purpose. The purpose of Christians in Rome in the first century was to light the streets at night. And that wasn't by turning on a switch. That was they would dip them in oil, light them up, put a stake through them, and the Christians, that was their purpose in first century Rome, was to light the streets at night by burning them alive. 
And that was, that was what was going on at Rome. And so Paul's writing to the Christians in this city of Rome where they're experiencing persecution and hardship. And he writes this letter to them. And by the way, if you're a citizen, the big thing about Rome, if the, the identity of the Romans at the time was built around... The, 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 what the big deal was, you were a person if you were a citizen of Rome. If, if you were a citizen of Rome, you're, you're in the in club, you know, like... It was a place of wealth, uh, influence, military power, might. And people's identity was very much wrapped up in that kind of status. And so then Paul writes these words. And we're going to have a look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 28 through for a bit. And here's, here's what Paul says. He says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, for those who've been called according to his purpose. This is the first step in understanding how not to retaliate. To know that God is working all things out for good for those who love him. God has a plan. God is a good God. God is good. Not everything that happens in our life is good, but God is good. And God is at work in everything that's going on uh, for those who love him, if you love God, he's working stuff out. Whatever you're going through right now, good, bad, ugly, God is good and God is working all things out for the ultimate good, for the true good, for the real good. He's working it out. And there's some good reasons why Paul says that we need to believe this and know this and understand this. And it comes down to some words, and I just the, here's the warning here. The warning is we're going to look at some big Bible religious words that we don't use in our everyday language, but it's good for us to understand what these words mean because they're pretty central to what today's about and to what Paul's message is about. And uh, so we're going to have a look at it. Romans 8, 29 to 30. He goes on, he says, here's the reason why we can be confident God's working all things out. He says this, and here we go. Ready for the big words? There's six of them. Could be more actually, but... It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. Now, has anyone left the room? <laughs> We're dealing with some pretty... Big, juicy words here. These are big religious words, but really important words. And here's the thing what's going on here. God knows those who love him. God is intimately involved in the lives of people. He knows what's going on. And if you've got a camera and you want to take a snapshot of the meaning of these words, grab it out now. Take a, take a photo. If you're watching online, do a screenshot and save it and put it in Word later. Do whatever it is you need to do. But let's look at these big words and what they mean. All right, here we go. The word for new. This is God knowing in advance those who are his. This is a, it's a bit, it blows your mind a bit, but God knows in advance those who are going to be his. Predestined. That's a word that sort of means God planned in love beforehand. Conformed is about people becoming more and more like Jesus. This is God's goal for every person. 
that they become more and more like Jesus. Um, Called. Now, here's the thing. God calls all people everywhere to come to him. But that's not what this call is about. This call is about God's call upon everyone everywhere to come to him, but it's those who've said yes to that call. Can you see the difference? One's a broad call, the other is this is a call where, we, where, God actually, where people actually say yes to his call upon their life to follow him. And then justified, and that's a big word, isn't it? Justified. This is that beautiful thing that God does through Jesus' death on the cross where God declares us as not guilty. And there's a little way of saying it, justified. It's just as if I'd, just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. So God, because of Jesus, looks at us and it's just as if we had never sinned, which is awesome. And then glorified, that means God has secured for us our eternal home. He's, he's got it worked out. And so these big words are, are, are a key reason why we can live secure in the love of God because of all of God's actions and activity in what he's doing for us. Now, what if, though, there are in your life or in my life or in people's lives or in the lives of Christians, there certainly was for Christians in Rome, what if there are people out to make it hard for you? What if there are people out to get at you, to get you? Or, or, or throughout life, stuff happens to you as a, as a Jesus follower. Well, what, what, what do we look at? So let's have a look at Romans 8.31. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? All those things we've just looked at. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You see, God is the one who loves you the most. He has your best interests at heart. He is for you, not against you. God is for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's interested in you. He knows what's going on in your life. And how we know that God is for us is all you've got to do is look to the cross. And at the cross, we see that God is for people. For God so loved the world, he gave his son for us, that those who believe in him don't have to perish, but can have eternal life. This is a message that God is for us. He loves us. And he didn't, you know, Jesus' death on the cross is the ultimate proof of God's amazing grace and his amazing love for each one of us. Now, in life, you're going to face challenges. And if you haven't faced challenges, you, you will. And I'm sure that you have faced challenges. As I look around the room, we face challenges and hardships and trials and difficulties. And then he goes on in verse 33. He says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. You see... As we go through life, we will have charges made against us, accusations made about us. This 
is what happened to the Christians back in Rome. It happened to, it's been happening for centuries. People will bring charges against you. Now, they might not be charges of you did this wrong and this wrong in terms of, you know, you need to go to prison or whatever, but there can be accusations that can undermine your identity. And sometimes these things come from two places. Charges, these, these you know, negative things about ourselves can come from two sources. One of them is from ourselves. We might say things like, I'm not good enough. I'm useless. I'm, I'm a waste of space. I, I'm, I'm not very good at anything. I, I don't measure up. And sometimes the things, the negative things come from ourselves. But sometimes it comes from others, where we hear words from others like, you're not needed anymore. You're a waste of space. You're useless. You're a failure. You're no good. And sometimes others can say things about us that are charges, these accusations brought up against us. So how do you not retaliate? I mean, you can retaliate with yourself if you want. <laughs> but how do you not retaliate when someone has a go? Well, Paul tells us. He says, when charges attack who I am, remember that it is God who makes us right with himself. You see, here's the thing with life and with this whole issue of relationships and retaliation and responding and reacting. We often live our lives horizontally. What I mean by that is, it is, life is about relationships. But we've got to recognise that our identity is built on this relationship, God's relationship with us. Our identity is wrapped up in that and God is the one, ultimately God is the only one who is in a position to bring charges up against us. But here's the good news, because of what Jesus has done, God is not going to bring up charges against us because he is the one who justifies us he is the one through our faith in Jesus he is the one who declares us not guilty and that's awesome news that's awesome awesome good news you see here's the truth the truth is I am not who I say I am I'm not who you say I am I am who God says I am our identity is built on Jesus that I'm called I'm loved I'm chosen I'm his I'm predestined I'm glorified I have all of those things in Christ now I'm sure that there's a truth that you've noticed in life see when I was a younger lad I wanted to please everyone I wanted people to like me I still want people to like me but my motivation for living was, how can I make people like me? And I don't know if you've realised this, but you don't have to live too long before you realise you can't please everyone. <laughs> and that's a truth in life, isn't it? You can't please everyone. We can't make everyone happy with what we do. And people may... Uh, it, but here's the thing, not even Jesus could please everyone. And people may criticise you or harm you or, or do stuff to hurt you, condemn you. But what, how did Jesus respond? Let's have a look at verse 34 of Romans 8. And let's look at what Paul said. He says this, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, 
is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Four awesome things that Jesus does for us here. He dies for us to take away our sin. He rose again. He's alive. He's not, a, he's not dead. He is at the right hand of the Father. He has position, authority, power, and he is interceding for us. What does that mean? That means he's praying for us. Did you know that right now, Jesus is praying for you? Jesus is praying for you right now. How awesome is that? Have you put in any prayer requests to Jesus lately? He's praying for you right now. And so how do we not retaliate? Here's the good news because Paul says, who's going to condemn us? And here's how we respond. When condemnation attacks what I do, here's how we need to live. Let Jesus stick up for you. Let Jesus stick up for you. Because he does stick up for you. Jesus died. He rose again. He's not a dead duck. He's not a dead Lord. He's the living, risen Savior. He's alive now. And he's in a place of honor. And right now, he's whispering in God's ear. On your behalf. He's praying for you. He's, he's right in God's ear saying, Hey, you know, Alex, God, Alex needs something. Would you please give it to him? You know, he's, Jesus is praying for you. How good is that? I love that. So let Jesus stick up for you. You know, sometimes in life, as I said, we often live horizontally. And when it comes to this issue of retaliation, you know, there is turn the other cheek. But it's so important that we recognize that in everything that's going on, God is working all things out for good. We find our identity in him. We also recognize that when condemnation comes against us, we've got to let Jesus stick up for us. But then sometimes what happens, and I've seen this, circumstances happen in life. And all you've got to do is turn on the news and you can see plenty of circumstances of life where these circumstances would cause people, maybe if they wanted to, to just turn away from God. And so the retaliation they have is not towards any other person, but maybe it's retaliating against God. I mean, why does God allow so much suffering and pain and floods and financial catastrophes and wars? Why? I mean, that's a, that was a sermon for another day on why does God allow suffering, but we've already covered that in August. But here's the thing. Circumstances don't take us away from God's love. Paul goes on, he says this in Romans 8, 35, 31, he's 39. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, heartache, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword? Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I haven't experienced famine I have experienced floods. I haven't experienced the sword. But I have had trouble, hardship, difficulties in my life. There's been loss and there's been grief. So how do I not retaliate towards God? How do I not retaliate? Well, the thing is, for me, Circumstances can feel like they're overwhelming, but there's something that's even greater. 
That's the love of Christ. The love of Christ is incredible. And the love of Christ makes us more than conquerors through all the circumstances of life. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to experience the sword. Trouble, hardship, persecution, suffering, betrayal, denial. Even that sense of being abandoned by God, he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus gets our pain. He gets our suffering. He's been there, done that. He gets it. And we have a Jesus who showed us that he loves us. Because he loves us so much that he gave his life on the cross for us. You know, we can't, no one can know God's love apart from Jesus. No one can know God's love apart from the cross. And on the cross of Christ, Jesus gave it all for us. He gave everything he had in love for you and for me. On the cross, Jesus said to the guy who has given him a hard time, you know, the two guys on the cross, they both hurled insults at Jesus. Jesus didn't retaliate. One of them realized he shouldn't have insulted Jesus. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, will you let me into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus forgave him. From the cross, while Jesus is there, he sees the soldiers and the religious leaders and the people that denied him and betrayed him. And he sees throughout the world and he sees all the sin of the world and he sees your sin and mine. And from the cross, he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And Jesus is full of compassion and grace and love and forgiveness, even as they crucify him. I don't know where you're at with God, but maybe today you're wanting to know what it means to follow Jesus. Here's what it means to follow Jesus. You surrender everything to him. You put your faith in Jesus. You say, no more more living my way, I'm going to live God's way. And maybe today that's what you need to do. You need to make a decision to follow Jesus best decision you could ever make five young people made that on friday night well you have the maturity to do the same thing to make that good decision to follow jesus surrender to him well thanks for tuning in if you'd like to find out more about northside visit northsidechurch.org.au